I was on a small jet airplane headed for Mexico to meet with my family for a vacation. It was one of those little ones. It just had one row of seats on one side, then an aisle, and then two seats on the other. I was in the single. There was a family around me. This seemed to be a great family, a father and his son next to him, and then the mother behind them. And the son was directly behind me, about six years old. The plane was full of people, and we were ready for our Mexico vacation. We were cruising uh, somewhere over Texas, no issues, just waiting to be done, when suddenly and shockingly, the plane begins to nosedive. I'm not talking about a little bit of turbulence. I'm not talking about, hey, we're, we're approaching landing. I'm talking the pilot, if there was one at that moment, just simply said, let's go down. We started nosediving toward the ground, and at this point, everyone just starts freaking out. The, the, uh, the ladies, the mother starts yelling and trying to control her children. The father looks around. He has nothing to offer. He just puts his head between his legs while his child is yelling. And their son behind me, the six-year-old, uh, he decided that he would use the back of my chair as his personal piece of, of workout equipment as he just would yell and kick the back of my chair. And so I find myself at this moment hurtling toward the ground to my certain death while people are yelling and screaming while my chair is violently shaking. And then a lady in the back, she just, she thought she would add to the pandemonium. She just starts yelling, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And I think many of us might have agreed with her at that moment. Well, we didn't die, as you may have tell. Spoiler alert, at one point after what seemed like forever, the pilot pulled us out onto just a calm, calm cruise. Now, so some people didn't know it was calm and they just continued to yell, you know, even after we're still going. I mean, it was an amazing moment hurtling down through space, the plane shaking violently, the, my seat shaking aerobically with the young child working out behind me, kicking it. We were all shaken. When we pulled out of that, I was, I was literally shaking. I, I think 2020 could classify as one of these type of flights. You know, we, we've been shaken on almost every level we can imagine. Many of us feel like we've been in a nosedive since, what, March? And every time it sees, seems like we get kind of one thing settled, some other issue explodes. I mean, think back to January. You guys remember January? Uh, personally, I was so excited about this year. Uh, the, the, this, the, we had huge momentum as a church. We were paying off debt. We were growing. There was an excitement around what God was going to do next. B by February, we were all watching that infection map. Remember the map that showed all the, all the red over there across the globe? And we saw it slowly begin to spread our way. And then eventually the red did make it to your state. And then to your area. And then the red made it to your city. And suddenly it wasn't just something on TV. It was a reality in our community. And by March, something that no one ever thought would happen. We were shut down. Well, I'd never heard of a shutdown before. We never expected it. If you would have told me we're shutting down in January, I would have said, you're crazy. Now, the rest of the year has just been one thing after another. We have the fear and the anxiety of the disease that initially we didn't know anything about. Then we have the growing frustration at the shutdown and, and our inability to, to go about our lives or our jobs. We have marriages and relationships just deeply impacted by all the chaos and the stress. Then we have the civil unrest of the summer, the protests, the riots, the, the flames of racism and the burning buildings. And then we have our, our here in our own communities, our, our business is suffering, finances failing. And for some, some people I know, having to shut down for good, close the doors. 
Then you add in things like wildfires threatening our community and, and hurricanes and murder hornets. And finally, as if it's just the cherry on top, ah, the 2020 election season. Could anything be more 2020 than to have an election amidst all this? I have never seen something divide us as a nation quite like this election, and this past month especially. I mean, there are lifelong friends who are no longer speaking. There are family members who have disowned each other. This year at Thanksgiving and Christmas, there will be some social distancing in the families, but, but it won't be because of COVID. It will be because of a name someone checked on a ballot. And so here we sit right now. You're, we're in this together. We have a new president announced. Half the people cheered in, in exhilaration and relief, and the other half were deflated in disappointment or ignited into anger. And apparently it's, it's not even over yet. I mean, it looks like this is going to be decided in the courts or something like that. I'm not a political expert or legal expert. I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to leave that to professionals. But right now in watching this, many of you are living with some very intense feelings based on this election. I mean, most of us, right? Most of us have some intense feeling from this election. And so in light of all the political emotions in our nation and all the other uncertainties that 2020 has already brought us and whatever surprises 2020 has in the next month and a half, let's look for some wisdom. Like now, what do we do? What do we do? I just want to tell you that God's word has something to say about this season. God's word has something to say for those of you who are shaking in joy, God has some, God's word has something to say for those of you shaking in anger and disappointment. However your candidate did, God's word has something for you today. Because here's the bottom line on politics and protests and pandemics. The degree that your life and heart have been shaken by these months reveals where you have placed your faith and your hope. The degree that your life and heart have been shaken through this season, these months, and this election, reveals where you have placed your faith and your hope. B because crisis clarifies things. Crisis clarifies. Crisis clarified in 2020 where our faith is placed. Crisis clarifies what our hope is in. On that plane, plummeting toward the earth, I was praying for God to save us. And maybe, I, maybe my prayers were what pulled us out of that. But, but at the same time, there was others who were yelling that we're all going to die. The crisis revealed where our hope was. Crisis clarifies. Clarifies faith, clarifies hope. For those with, with faith in humanity, 2020 has rocked you this year. As you've seen some of the underbelly of our society. For those with faith in bank accounts and business, 2020 has rocked us this year. For those with, with faith in government, I mean, this year, along with 2016, we've been rocked by the results, every, both sides, every side, every person. For those with faith in a world without global pandemics, like that can't happen, or catastrophes, I mean, we've been shaken, we've been rocked. And for many of us, if, if we're honest, it, we've been tossed around like a wave on the sea this year. From, from just one piece of news to the next piece of news, from one anxiety to the next anxiety, from one fear to the next frustration. We're just getting tossed around based on whatever circumstances is happening at that moment. And this reveals more about our faith and our hope than I think we're comfortable with. 
Because in this life, when it comes to, to where you place your hope and, and your faith, there's only two categories. Now, we get confused, and, and we, we've been thinking the two categories are Democrats or Republicans. But the Bible has two categories that are well above those two. In this life, when it comes to where we place our faith and hope, the two categories are the shakable and the unshaken. If we can just pause and suspend our defenses for a second, our, our personal defenses, perhaps we can admit, yeah, yeah, my, my faith has been shaken more this year than, than ever before. My faith in humanity, my faith in myself, my faith in God. Maybe we can admit that today. If we could just stop and pause and look at what the last 11 months have brought us, we could admit we've been really shaken. So the question is, like, what do we do now? What do we do, especially in light of the election? I mean, whether your team won or lost, what do we do moving forward? I want us to turn to Isaiah 6. We're going to start here. And first you need to know that in Isaiah, it's written by the prophet Isaiah, and he's writing this in, in chapter 6 because there's, there's becoming a transfer of leadership. See, they didn't have a president. They had a throne. They had a king. And so the, the earthly throne is empty, and there's a transfer of leadership about to happen. One leader is being replaced by another, and there's always anxiety, and there's always angst when you're, you're getting a new leader because you don't know. There's uncertainty about it. One leader being replaced by another. There's a huge question on who would lead the nation and how in, in Isaiah's time. Now, in our time, maybe you're, you're seeing the replacement and you're happy with it. However it would be, we have to admit there's some uncertainty any time there's a transition of power. And that's what Isaiah is facing. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high on his throne, high and exalted, Isaiah had probably gone to the temple. He's in the temple here. He'd probably gone there a hundred times or more. But in this instance, God reveals himself to Isaiah, and the way he reveals himself communicates volumes. God's declaring something here without even speaking. Isaiah, in all the angst of uncertainty with the leadership transition, with the questions of what's going to be next, God reveals himself to Isaiah on a throne. Almost as if he's saying, hey, Isaiah, the leadership may be up in the air, but I'm seated on the throne. Your nation may be standing on edge due to the politics, but I'm not standing on edge. I'm seated on the throne of heaven. Some of us need to, to, to have a reminder today that regardless of your candidate, like, like whoever sits in the swivel chair of the Oval Office, if our human faith is placed in them and placed in the person in that chair, our faith's going to be shaken. Our hope and our faith cannot be placed in that Oval Office leather-bound swivel chair because there's a throne much higher than that. There's a, there's a throne high above the Oval Office, and that throne is un shakable. The first thing we need to get a glimpse of today is what Isaiah saw, that, that high above Republicans and Democrats, high above their chairs is a golden throne. And the one who sits on that throne, listen, he knows what tomorrow brings. He's not surprised by anything that 2020 has brought us. 
He knows what the next four years bring. He's high above pandemics and protests and politics. And although 2020, like it rocked all of us, it shocked every one of us, it, it didn't shock him. It didn't catch him off guard. Here's a difficult truth to swallow. If our faith is placed in a human president, then our faith will be shaken. And I don't care which side you're on and which president you choose to place your faith in. If we place our faith in a human president, our faith's going to get shaken. The unshakable political hope is in the divine and sovereign God on the throne of heaven that just transcends earthly government. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah 6, 1 still. You see, it says the train of his robe filled the temple. In olden days, a ruler would have a royal robe. And anytime he would defeat another ruler, he would cut off that ruler's train and sew it onto his robe. So that his robe that he wore on the throne as he was ruling was a witness to other kings and queens that he had defeated. It was a symbol of his power, of his victory. The longer the train of the king or the queen, the the greater his victories, the more his victories. And we see God on the throne and the train of his robe spills out of heaven. It spills into the earth and it fills the temple. This, This temple was 45 feet tall inside and God seated high and exalted above that. So for that robe train to spill out of heaven, high and exalted, and then fill the temple, God had won every battle. And to this day, that God, our God on the throne, undefeated, unrivaled. I mean, here's a question. Who is God's opposite? You ever thought about that? No one. Because to be opposite, you have to be equal. And God has no equal. He is unparalleled. This is an unshakable God, seated on an unshakable throne. He's won every battle. And, and guess what? He fights for you. There's, there's battles in your life that God is fighting for you. This is sometimes we need to stop at these moments and just realize, I've been fighting a lot of my own battles in 2020. I've been striving and stressing over time. But there's a God who fights for you. And maybe today, what you take from this is that you need to stop your striving and surrender and cry out. God's train, I'm guessing the train of his robe is a little longer than yours, his his string of victories. And today, maybe we stop our striving and stressing and surrender and ask God to fight with us and for us. Only God's robe has remained unconquered and uncut. And this is important because thrones and crowns throughout history, they've, they've come and gone. America's history is, is very short on the timeline. Like our government is just a blip. We have Genghis Khan. I mean, he conquered more than most anyone else. And in fact, today, over 16 million people on the planet have his DNA in them. Rome was a mighty empire before it was reduced to one city. And then you have the the, the Mongolian Empire and Alexander the Great. And you have all the, 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 uh, the, the Qing Dynasty of China. All these thrones, all these different empires, all these thrones. And as much as you want to think that our way of life, like, just won't fade away, like, we're here for the long haul, America, 
Britain, Russia, Saudi Arabia, the other thrones and other nations of this world were not unshakable. We're not. God's throne was secure in 2016 when Trump was elected. God's throne is secure in 2020 when Biden's elected. Dynasties come and go. Empires come and go. Presidents come and go. But God's kingdom, through it all, unshakable. It holds firm. And listen, the next, you know what they're going to say the next election? The next election, they're going to say, in the most important election of our time. But they, they're going to say that about all of them. It's like those reality TV shows where they say every week, in our most dramatic rose ceremony ever. I thought that was last week. Not that I would ever watch a show with a rose ceremony. I, just, I heard about it one time. Every four years, there's going to be an important election cycle. Yet way above it, well above it, transcending above it, is God and his throne, unrivaled. And just as Isaiah saw God high and exalted, we need to begin to get this perspective on life if we're going to walk through these, these and navigate these waters of election, that God's throne is high and exalted. And if we're going to put our faith in a ruler, if we're going to put our faith in a chair, don't pick the leather-bound swivel chair in the Oval Office. Pick the throne in heaven. We continue Isaiah 6, and we see that there's, there's angels who are circling around the throne and they're worshiping God and they're declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And at the sound of their worship, the temple actually shakes. Now this temple was massive. It represented the best on the world that, at that moment. It was shaken by the resounding declaration that God is in control. That God is high above. And though the world is shaken, though the temple is shaken, God's not shaken. Isaiah was in a leadership crisis. His eyes were on the transition from one leader to the next, from all the unknowns that went along with that and what it would mean for his nation. But, but see, Isaiah needed to get his, his eyes, his gaze off, off Uzziah's throne and put it on God's throne. I think we need to do the same. In these, in these times, we need to open our eyes to the reality that we have a king high above. And that's good news, whether you're excited about what's happening right now or you're disappointed. We all have a higher throne. Hebrews 12 talks about this. It talks about the shakable and unshakable. Hebrews 12, verse 26. When God previously shook the earth, when he spoke, but now he makes a new promise. He says this, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken so that only the unshakable things remain. Verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving an unshakable kingdom, let's be thankful and please God by worshiping him in holy fear and awe. Like God makes us this promise. He says, all that can be shaken, it's going to be shaken. And in 2020, it feels like that's what happened. Like everything's been shaken. But God says someday he's going to shake creation to such an extent that only the secure and unshakable things remain. Only the divine, eternal things remain. Verse 28 says that we are a part of an unshakable kingdom. In Jesus, that's what we're citizens of. An unshakable kingdom. You want to know some things that, that are unshakable in my heart through all these past two elections? Some things that are true in my heart through all of 2020? Through all these election stuff, my faith in God being above all human authority. 
My faith that he is victorious in the end, no matter the losses I suffer along the way. My faith that I am called to love God and love people through my actions and my words, regardless of who wins the presidency. Here's the bottom line. Jesus has given me a calling in life to, to spread his message and to carry his mission. And the reality in my heart is this. My calling does not change based on who's elected president. I will live the mission of God, of love God, love people, regardless of who it is. I will spread the message of Jesus as king, regardless of who it is. No matter who the authority is, if tomorrow we wake up and somehow our nation has been taken over by a foreign totalitarian, totalitarian government that outlaws church and, and outlaws religion, guess what? Well, my methods are going to change, but my calling in no way changes based on the authority on earth. I have a mission. I have a message, and I have a king, and I'm going to continue to operate regardless of who's in the Oval Office. You may think, well, well you're, you're a preacher, of course. Of course you have a mission and message. You have to go preach and do your things. But, but let me just remind you, Jesus didn't call just me to this. He called every single person who would come to him in salvation to this. If you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you have a calling, you have a mission, and you've been given a message. These are established policies in heaven, and they are far above the politics of earth. Which is why I like to say, don't allow earth's politics to distract you from heaven's policies. Like we should continue being about heaven's policy of love God and love people, regardless of the earthly politics that we're, we're a part of. Earthly politics are built on a fault line that will be shaken. God, his calling, his mission and message are established in heaven and will, will, will last to the, the end of days. You have a calling from God. You have a mission from Jesus. And you have a message of love God and love people to go forth into a world consumed by politics and shine the light of Jesus. These divine truths do not change based on who's voted into office. Jesus also makes this distinction. In Mark 12, there's this attempt to trick Jesus into making a, a statement or a mistake about the government. And they, they say, should we pay taxes? It's a political question. Um, and he asks to see a coin. He, he says, give me a coin. And he grabs the coin. He says, whose image is on this coin? And they answer, Caesar's. Caesar's image. And he replies, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. Now you may have heard this before. And we often think it's about taxes. But I, I, I want to, if the coin bears Caesar's image, we give it to Caesar. Easy, right? I want to look at the second half of that verse. Give to God what is God's. Like, like what do we give to God? What, what, what is his? Something, we give something to our government because it, it bears their image, right? And this is a clue of what we also give to God. Because did you know that there's something that bears his image? And when Jesus says, give to God what is God's, he's speaking about you. He's speaking about your life. He's speaking about your heart. The key is found in this old Latin phrase, magio Dei, which means image of God. We're called to, to give to God what bears his image. And, and you don't have to look far to see what bears God's image. You, you bear God's image. 
Magio Dei refers to the fact that we are, we are made in the image of God. We are image bearers of that king who sits on the throne. And when Jesus says to give to the government what bears their image and give to God what bears him, his image, here's the distinction when it comes to elections and politics and presidents. See, you, you mark your vote on the ballot box for the president, but make your mark in life for God. Like, give to God what is God's, your life. You bear the image of God, and his mission and his message are what you're called to. The things that you must give over to the government, fine. But don't give them your faith and your hope. Don't put your faith and your hope in the government. Don't, don't put your calling, your mission, and your message in the government, in politics. Those will be shaken, and you'll be left with the shaken faith and crumbling hope. Now, this doesn't mean don't get political. For some of you, you're carrying God's mission and message into politics, and that's great if that's your calling. I mean, we need more politicians who love and follow God, and I celebrate that. But never get confused about where your faith is to be invested and where your hope is to be planted. If, if you've been literally shaking through this election or the last election, Maybe you've been giving the leader of the country like way too much hope and faith. It's not theirs to receive. Your, your, your faith and your hope don't bear their image. You give that to God. Give to God's what is God's. Give to the government what is the government's. When you place your faith and your hope and trust in the one on the throne of heaven, when your calling is from God because you bear his image, then regardless of who sits in that office in Washington, listen, in your life, in your heart, you're, you have a calling. You have a mission and you have a message. No earthly politician has the power to take that from you. You have to give it. Some of us have given that away and we've been shaken through this season. You don't bear the image of a political party and therefore don't give them what's not theirs. You bear the image of God. Your life is his. So what do we do today? Like, oh, great. What do we do today if our candidate has won or lost? What do we do? First, remember, politics is a shakable kingdom. And it's going to disappoint you if you choose to place your faith and hope in it. Second, reaffirm who holds your eternity. When the temporary of this life passes away, who you voted for in 2020 or 2016 is not what gets you into heaven. And it won't be what keeps you out of heaven either. Jesus Christ, placing your faith in him, following him, that is what gets you into heaven. And finally, if you're a part of a church like this one, this, this church is split down the middle politically. I don't, I don't have the, the luxury of preaching to a choir because we are split. And I believe as the orchard, that, that's our strength, not our weakness. If you're part of a church that's split down the middle politically, you might find it difficult to sit in a room like this with congregation of those people who voted for that person. We, we've had people leave our church in the last election because they didn't want to be a part of a, a church where people could dare vote for the other person. If that's you, you're going to be very shocked when you get to heaven. It's going to be a wild eye-opener for you because you're going to be standing next to people who were Democrats. You're going to be worshiping next to people who, who were Republicans. 
You're going to be singing next to some people who were socialists. You're going to be going to be praising next to some people who just were like tribal. Because down through the ages, people have affiliated with any number of political parties that have come and have go. They're all shakable. All shakable. There's one unshakable eternal government. And we're, because of Jesus, your faith in Jesus, you will end up there. And what gets you into heaven is, is to declare him king of your soul. So regardless of how red or how blue your politics are, realize in, in heaven, that's not what counts. Our bodies have a president, but our souls have a king. And you can worship in this room, online or any other church, you can worship in, with, with, with Democrats and Republicans as a preamble to the worship you will have in heaven because they will be worshiping as sons and daughters of the king. But we're still sons and daughters of the king down here as well. Andy Stanley says, said this way, quote, your political candidate will win and lose based on how American citizens vote on Tuesday. But the church wins or loses, the community wins or loses, and in some way our nation wins and loses based on how Christians love each other. So while the election is decided by how Americans vote, the church, the community, and the nation wins and loses based on how Christians choose to love each other. And that's where we land. Will we continue to love each other, regardless of the shakable kingdom that we chose to, to put our vote for this election? Now's our time to move ahead as citizens of heaven. We have our mission. We have our message. We're all called because of Jesus. But what about today? I realize in writing this, there's so much pressure on this week. So many of you are tuning into this, like, like hoping that I could just solve the angst within you. Like just say something that makes all this make sense or, or tell us what's gonna happen in the election. I mean, people are always asking me to endorse somebody or this and that. And, and, and what about today? How do I solve the angst within us? The test is actually for you to make the spiritual soul level decision that God is your king over all earthly politics. Today, you need to cast your vote that you have a king regardless of the election. Our challenge right now is just to, to reframe the entire last two months. Reframe the politics and put it in its correct and appropriate place in your life. Reframe the last four years, reframe the last eight years, reframe all politics that you've been a part of and put it in its correct and appropriate place in your life. That your divine calling is primary. That your message and your mission from God are preeminent. And it's not even close. If you're overjoyed today because your candidate won, remember that your greatest hope is still in God. Don't place your faith and hope in, the, in your candidate. It's a shakable kingdom. What our world needs isn't the right political party. What our world needs is Jesus. And you're called, if you're side one today, you're called to love God and love people and extend grace to those that you've come to see as the enemy this past year couple years. If you're here and you're disappointed or you're angry because your candidate um, didn't get announced the winner, remember, God's not surprised by this. You may be. God's not taken off guard. And like Isaiah, you, you may be <laughs> wandering around looking in angst and anxiety because you're facing a leadership transition and an uncertain future. 
I would just say this. Stop looking to the rulers of the world for hope and your faith. Look to the king of heaven who's on the throne. And to everyone watching, let us realize and let us admit that we may put earthly politics in front of God and his heavenly policies. Let's just admit, we, we may have taken the bait through this time and put politics way up farther than God's policies. So today, let us reaffirm that, that, that our love for Jesus above all. Let us reaffirm our, our, our need for a king. And let's remember that what this nation truly needs to heal its great divide isn't a president. It's a savior. And God has left the message and the mission in our hands. We have work to do. The earthly campaigns are probably going to be shutting down pretty soon, but our heavenly campaign, it doesn't stop until the end of the age. Our heavenly campaign continues because we are shining light on, on God Almighty in a world that's looking everywhere else to place their hope in their, in their faith. I'm going to pray for us. Let me pray for you. As I pray for us, I want you to engage in this. I want you to pray along with me. God, today we ask your forgiveness. We've made enemies out of your sons and daughters simply because they voted different than us. Forgive us for forgetting to love people the way that you called us to love. And we affirm right now, we affirm right now that no matter how we voted, that you are our king. We affirm once again that Jesus, you are the head of this church and you are the head of our lives. We ask you to begin to heal our nation. But we ask for you to start with our church. Start with us. So we extend love and grace to those who are different than us. And God, we give you what is yours, our hearts and our lives. Help us carry your image into the world so that when they see us, they see you. God, save us as a church. And God, save us as a nation. And Father, right now, I just thank you that you are on the throne of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I realize in speaking about this topic that there's going to be all sorts of different reactions to this. You can't please everyone, especially when you're talking about this. And so if you want to discuss any of this, you can, you can uh, spare my staff the emails and just email me directly, daniel at theorchardlife.com. If you have any questions about Jesus, spiritual comments, listen, we'd love to hear from you. If you're new to our, our church, connecting at uh, theorchardlife.com, however you uh, choose to engage, we're glad you engaged today. And I'm praying for you. I pray that God blesses you this week. I pray that God gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding and that you begin to see God is on the throne. Orchard, I love you. Love God and love people.